Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Providing for the elderly has become a multi-billion dollar industry with about 29,000 residential care facilities operating across the country. But a new investigation by Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting has found that some of these facilities are profiting by exploiting caregivers, effectively paying them as little as $2 an hour to work around the clock. Jennifer Gollin has the story. Julie Reduta knows firsthand the true costs of the long hours required for elder care. We get up like 5 o'clock to prepare their breakfast. 7 o'clock we start helping them bathing and hygiene. She was a live-in caregiver who expected to work around 12 hours a day, but says in reality the hours were much longer. My experience is like 24 hours, 7 days a week, $800. A month. That comes out to about $2 an hour. Roduda, who now has a job with a different employer, says her former boss refused to pay her more than that monthly sum, even when she worked extra hours. She explained that we have to be grateful of that 800 because she's giving free food and free accommodation, but we're sleeping in the living room with no blanket, nothing. Nationwide, there are about 29,000 residential care communities, not including nursing homes. Many of these facilities are run by small-time entrepreneurs who have converted single-family homes into assisted living facilities for seniors. They're touted as a lucrative business opportunity. And I'm going to share with you how to turn a single-family home into a cash flow machine. I found there was such demand for this business that I filled the facility in 30 days. We call it America's untapped business opportunity. These boarding care homes vary in size, but in California, most are small, with six beds or less. 
They're often cheaper than nursing homes, but can be quite profitable for operators. But in some cases, it's at the expense of caregivers who have little leverage when they complain about being underpaid. Asking, like, we heard that there's minimum wage, something like that. Then she get mad. If you guys are not happy here, you're welcome to get out of my house. Some of our immigrant clients are unfamiliar with what the law requires and even if they know what their rights are, scared to come forward. Winifred Cow is a civil rights lawyer who's combating what some legal scholars are calling indentured servitude. A lot of what we see in this industry is workers being paid a flat monthly salary for all the work. Some who worked for the owner of these care homes in California were paid as little as $3.50 an hour while amassing a fortune for the young owner, Stephanie Costa. I've always had this thing of taking care of older people, like uh, sick people that are dying. I've always really felt for them. In 2013, Costa described her success on the reality TV show, The Millionaire Matchmaker. My name is Stephanie and I'm 30 years old and I own a chain of elderly care facilities. My net worth is three to four million probably. I think it was frustrating and startling for us to see um, that on the one hand, she wasn't even paying her workers the minimum wage, and yet to find out she's on a TV show bragging about being a millionaire. Soon after appearing on TV, California's labor regulator ordered Stephanie Costa and her company to pay about $1.6 million for unpaid wages and penalties. But that didn't disrupt Costa's lifestyle in Beverly Hills. She kept this home after filing for bankruptcy and settled with workers for a fraction of what she owed. Her six care homes are now owned by a property investment company registered by her father. Stephanie Costa is the company's CEO. When I paid a visit to her, she stonewalled. Stephanie, we've tried to reach you about the exploitation of your caregivers, but you've refused to answer our questions, and I'd like to offer you the opportunity to comment. I'm sorry, I think you have the wrong Reveal found 1,400 cases nationwide where care home operators broke minimum wage or other labor laws. And in many cases, the Federal Department of Labor ordered that workers be compensated for stolen wages. Ida Genove was among those cases. Her boss stole from her twice. She took us to the Bank of America where her employer forced her to cash checks worth $5,600 for back wages and then give it all right back to him. I'm really mad at him. That's my check. That's my money. So it should be mine. Her employers, Ramel and Glenda Publico, pleaded not guilty to multiple felonies, including grand theft and tax fraud. Ramel Publico defended the treatment of his caregivers, telling us they were like a family, but he refused to go on camera. The Department of Labor also declined an interview, but in a written statement, a spokesperson said, the agency has conducted extensive outreach to ensure operators pay their workers the wages they have legally earned. Were you aware that over the last decade, there have been 1,400 cases of wage theft across the U.S.? I certainly wouldn't doubt that there may be that situa situation, but I think it's pretty isolated. Ron Simpson, a founding director of Six Beds, a group representing small care facilities in California, thinks most do a good job. The caregivers were really happy with their situation, in most cases. They Why were, were they happy? Th because they had a place where they could live. 
they, they loved what they were doing. They were fulfilled by enriching somebody else's life. But that is not what I found in dozens of interviews with workers who were afraid to speak up. Their bosses have threatened to fire them or report them to immigration. Some feared for their safety. Because of the millions involved on the part of the employer, I'm scared of my life. This worker is a witness in one of the largest cases involving residential care wage theft. I wanted to quit, but I needed the job. I needed to survive. While working for the operator of this care home, she says she rarely had time to stop and eat. I wasn't happy. I I was crying all the time. I wanted to go home. I questioned, why am I in this profession? Her former employer, Adat Shalom Board and Care, has been cited by state regulators for more than $7 million for unpaid wages and penalties involving almost 150 workers. The care home company has appealed, denied any wrongdoing, and refused further comment. Simpson says these sorts of pay disputes arise from caregivers, just not keeping track of when they're off the clock. Caregivers will spend lots of time just doing their own personal stuff while they're in the home, on their phones, texting, maybe even texting back home to their families. But they're not logging in and logging out when they do that. He says the solution is educating care homeowners on labor laws. To see this in action, we attended a conference his group Six Beds organized. So to me, the live-in model, if done right, is a, is a win-win. George Kutnarian, senior vice president at Six Beds, tells care home operators that having a single live-in caregiver is a good way to save money on payroll. You want your workers who stay overnight on the premises to be classified as live-in so that you can take advantage of that. Um, because otherwise you're going to find yourself in the 24-hour worker boat and that's going to involve more payment. Operators must pay a live-in caregiver when on duty, but not always for sleep time and breaks. But basically what, what you need to make sure is they have an opportunity to get five hours of sleep. The five hours don't need to be continuous. Pat McGinnis from California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform says that when caregivers are worked to the point of exhaustion, it affects patients. Well, it has a terrible effect on resident care when you have to work 24 hours a day with no reprieve. She says the requirements to operate a care facility in California are far too lax. You need more training to um, be a manicurist, to do somebody's nails, than you do to run a residential care facility for the elderly. Well, it is a detriment servitude. Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro says regulators need the resources to crack down on wage theft. The Department of Labor is being hollowed out so that it cannot perform the function that it is established to be able to perform to protect workers and to make sure they are not getting ripped off by their employers. An appropriations bill she introduced would boost federal funding to enforce labor laws. It passed in the House Appropriations Committee and will now go to the House floor. You want to take a nap? Caregivers such as Julie Reduta hope the bill will force unscrupulous operators to face tougher consequences. When you abuse animals, you can end up being in a jail, and we're human beings, so I feel like worse than animals. Meanwhile, caregivers around the country will continue to push to be paid fairly and treated with dignity for the crucial services they provide. For PBS NewsHour, I'm Jennifer Gollin in San Francisco, California. 
And you can find the full investigation by the Center for Investigative Reporting at revealnews.org. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, May 31st, 2019. So I have been told this is our weekly forum, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. If we have any non-white listeners, you have figured out things to do, regardless of, you know, what your career path is, what your field is, how long you've been on the particular job. If you're self-employed, you have figured out this is what to do. I'm not on a job where by law (laughs) they can say, hey, you are going to live here and you can get five hours of sleep a night. Nah, that's not you. You get a full eight hours, nine hours, if you feel like it, get all your vacations, get your raises, your promotions. They do not change your work schedule so that you're coming in at 7 a.m. on Monday and then starting your day at 11 p.m. on Wednesday. They don't do that to you. If you want vacation time, Memorial Day just passed, holidays coming up for the summer, family reunions, no problem. If you have figured out how to accomplish that. Fantastic. Please call in and share details so that others can replicate your wonderful, I won't call it success, but at least mildly trauma-free work experience. Uh, The number 605-313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Again, if you have figured out some codification that works, please share. In addition to if we have any black entrepreneurs, always appreciate hearing from individuals who are self-employed. How does working for yourself change your experience with white supremacy racism in the workplace? Uh, As usual, if we have any non-white people who have problems, uh, meaning Either racists uh, are deliberately mistreating you or you're just having problems in the workplace and you have not figured out how to resolve the issue. Dial in. Let us know what the situation is. Hopefully uh, we can offer logical counter racist suggestions uh, that help solve problems without creating new problems. Uh, The number 605-313-5164. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate a few things before we get to uh, folks who dialed in if you have things to share uh, the cows 10-year anniversary counter-racist yoga retreat first round in Virginia second round looking at Lake Arrowhead California Southern California area, not L.A. Uh, The dates, August 29, that is a Thursday to September 1. That is a Sunday, Labor Day weekend. So they say four days, three nights, plant-based meals every day. Meals provided by Chef Nadira. She was with us in VA. Carrot hot dogs. Uh, Plant-based meals. We just had Dr. Ruby Lathan uh, on this week. Uh, She probably will be able to give out uh, tips 
for easy ways that you can transition and or enjoy being plant based at work so that you can, you know, have tasty snacks and things to eat at work as opposed to chips and all the nonsense that freak donuts and things that frequently uh, are offered or available uh, in the workplace. Uh, but plant based meals yoga in the morning, yoga in the evening, probably will have ample time to talk about workplace racism, counter-racist workshops, the whole gambit. Again, the date's August 29th through September 1. First deposit is due, non-refundable, $400. <clears throat> next weekend, next Sunday, uh, and then the final deposit of $375 would be due the first week in August. $400 deposit next week. Drop an email if you have questions, would like to register, would like additional information. Looking forward. Summertime, have fun. And California in the summertime is amazing for folks who reside there. If you've not been, if you need an excuse to trek out to California for the summertime, this would be a good one. That's it. Uh, the segment at the beginning I thought was important. We have uh, cows listeners who are nurses or aides uh, either in a medical facility and or uh, where they are actually visiting the residents of sometimes it's whites, sometimes it's individuals who are non-white. There have been so many reports talking about the aging population of whites worldwide, uh, but particularly here uh, in the U.S., uh, that there's going to be uh, a growing demand for work in that area, uh, elderly care and folks, nurses, all of that. It's just going to be more and more demand for people to take care of crotchety old racists. Uh, and that, I mean, wow, just everything that you heard in that report, look for ways where you can take advantage have a live-in aid. I immediately, as soon as I heard that, of course, I thought of Sundown Towns. They had that whole section that we read, I think it was uh, two weeks ago, where they talked about black people who lived in the residence with whites and how they, it was like being a live-in uh, prisoner and they couldn't go anywhere and how restricted their movements were. And it was just terrible. Like, that's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, but living there under those circumstances where by law, the max you can get five hours of sleep and that's by law as long as you get five hours of sleep. and he emphasized five hours of sleep and it doesn't have to be continuous so if you let that nigger sleep for two hours hey get up i need a sponge bath get me to the bathroom wipe my behind okay go back and get your other three hours or maybe you even wake him up in two hours i need it again had an accident clean me up one more time and then you let him get another hour of sleep okay got your five hours let's get to it Hard. And that's the sort of thing in terms of letting people know in advance, because it might be a lot of talk about, hey, this is a booming industry. You can get a job. Everyone wants a job and needs employment. This might be something, you know, you can check out. Be informed about what you're going to be dealing with all the way through in terms of if that's what it's going to be like if you're living there. Wow. Five hours of sleep. Really? Do I want to function in that sort of environment with five hours of sleep? You heard there uh, in the sound clip, you abuse, you don't take care, you don't care for the workers. That has an impact on the care that they can provide uh, for the folks that they're supposed to be, you know, taking care, looking after uh, in their charge as an aide or nurse or whatever their title is. But 
uh, as I said, I know we have cows listeners uh, who work in that capacity and they have talked about the abuse uh, that they've heard. I've remembered uh, there was an article in the Seattle Times uh, not that long ago. They were talking about uh, a medical facility here in uh, the Seattle area and they had non-white workers and they knew that some of these folks, some of the patients were racist. Uh, and that they would, you know, as soon as they saw that it was a non-white worker, I think they said that it started. Sometimes they would say, I don't want a non-white aid. I don't want, or, you know, have they, I don't want a nigger aid. I want a white aid. Uh, and they said that they would, you know, work to comply with this to try to keep them calm. But sometimes they couldn't, you know, they didn't have the staff or whatever. So, you know, this is what we got. Uh, so they would get upset. Oh, you're no good nigger. You put your hands on me. And all this other stuff. And they were saying that the, the AIDS, they just had to take this, uh, this terroristic behavior. Uh, and say, hey, you know, what can you do? Just ignore it and do your job. Be a professional. Uh, and this ended up going to court uh, where they were saying, hey, I don't think this is correct. And I don't think we should be subjected to this sort of uh, terroristic behavior, which I totally agree. But that is probably going to be lots more of that. As I said, you got more aging whites. So if we have any listeners who that is your experience, you have figured out a code to minimize that sort of uh, misconduct uh, and or you have experienced that. Uh, whether working in a facility or in residence, that sort of thing, please let us know how you dealt with that. Uh, regardless, I, I would have a very strict code, uh, particularly if you're going to be in someone's house. Like that just sounds, wow, dangerous for a variety of reasons. Uh, any non-white people, if that's your job where you have to be in a white person's house, wow, uh, you have to be super alert, super codified. It's so many uh, dangers because you're you're in their lair, uh, so to speak, literally. Uh, but if we have any folks where, you know, that's your experience, please dial in. Uh, let us know. Uh, also, if you are concerned about calling in to share, uh, either if you have a workplace experience of your own, or if you want to comment on what's been shared, people are dialing in, seeking input. Uh, you can email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. And we can read your commentary on the air anonymously and either get feedback or if you just have uh, a counter racist suggestion you would like to offer, that will work. I'll keep an eye on the emails as we go. Uh, so let's see. Email number one. Uh, I think I may have missed an email from last week. Some days I guess I'm better uh, than others uh, at keeping an eye on the email. So email number one, uh, Kizzy's cousin from last week. Uh, a couple of broadcasts back, you asked if people had strategies to mitigate race soldiers carrying out sabotage. I don't have a successful method for stopping this form of terrorism, but I have had to develop tools to neutralize the attacks I am regularly subjected to. Number one, reminding myself not to be surprised even when racists are quite audacious in their methods. A racist female in the team I am in has been running her campaign to undermine me for some months. Recently, she indulged in some unjust networking and Voltroning uh, by getting race soldiers from partner companies in on the plan. I do get frustrated, but remembering racists will be racist helps focus the mind. Absolutely. Not being surprised. Voltroning. How about that? Uh, number two, exposing the act of sabotage without making an accusation. 
That is an important one. Uh, we had a meeting a few weeks ago with representatives from the companies to agree how we would work together. I then received emails from one of the representatives suggesting something quite different. She copied the race soldier female I work with into the correspondence. I forwarded the email to my manager who was the initial who was at the initial meeting copying in my race soldier team member. I asked my manager if there were meetings that I was not party to as things seemed to have moved on. This also created an audit trail. Love it. The racist saboteur was not expecting this. It forced her to respond, explaining that she had indeed had a conversation with the race soldier from the partner company. She minimized what she had discussed with her, knowing that my manager is equally racist. I was codified in my response. I thanked her for the update and said I would take things forward. Very important just to emphasize being able uh, to point out if there are violations, sabotage, incorrect conduct, whatever it is, even if it's just a problem without there being an accusation. You haven't accused anyone of being a racist uh, or even you haven't accused them even of being a saboteur. You're just pointing out that something seems to be incorrect. Perhaps there's an, a, a violation of some sort. And let's all investigate to make sure that there is not a problem. And if there is, we can get it corrected. That is always brilliant way to proceed. And it keeps generally or I will say often if a black person is pointing out that, you know, someone has done something wrong or it even seems like that black person is making uh, an accusation. A lot of times you'll get that what was said Voltron effect where it's what Who are you accusing? What? And everyone will rally behind whoever the accused, if it's particularly if it's a white person that's being accused, they'll rally to defend that accused white person. Number two. Remaining calm and focused on my work objectives. A couple of weeks later, I received another set of emails from two more representatives from different partner companies. They came on the same day, raising very similar issues out of the blue, which was highly suspicious. Again, I made no accusations. My race soldier colleague is also not as smart as she thinks she is, or I am smarter than she gives me credit for. And I was able to neutralize these fresh attempts by asking questions which exposed the foolishness of the issues they raised and arranged meetings to move things forward. Asking questions. Always a spectacular strategy. Number three, accepting that racists will go further than one might expect even in the workplace. What was surprising was the method going to external parties, which I think is incredibly risky, but racists protect each other. Very important. There's also a non-white, non-black female involved. She is very friendly, and she has the word friendly in quotes, with one of the very senior racist suspects at the company I work for. My suspicion is that the non-white, non-black female has been encouraged to mistreat me, which is why she was willing to engage in this unjust activity. Hmm. Army of one. Very easy for victims of racism to be manipulated in the workplace, unfortunately. Number four. Keeping my game face on. This week, non-white non-black or the non-white non-black female hosted an event where my racist head of team was also attending. 
the non-white, non-black female met me outside and told me about an issue that had arisen. I told her I would need to discuss with my my head of team when she arrives. I was told she had already spoken with my manager and that she had said I would need to make the decision. I must admit I was thrown by this at first and laughed. I said I would need to get her decision as the head of team and then went to find my manager. I relayed what had been said and she looked confused. She informed me that she had said no, contradicting what the non-white, non-black female had just said. I told her that the non-white female told me she wanted me to make a decision, which she denied. My race soldier, head of team, was telling the truth because the non-white female then arrived and my head of team told her that she had already told her no in front of me. My conclusion is that the non-white, non-black female was trying to get me to say something negative about my head of team. I have never trashed any of my colleagues to this non-white, non-white, non-black female. But it's clear to me she knows a lot about my work situation. Whilst I am very clear my head of team is racist, I behave as if there is no issue. Five. Finally, controlling my emotions. This is, for the most part, uh, this this is for me the most challenging. This week, the racist saboteur attempted to reduce me to cleaner status, in quotes. I was to chair a meeting that neither she or my manager could attend. For some reason, she changed her plan, probably to maximize the opportunity to practice supremacy over me, but did not discuss it with me. The first I knew was when I saw the agenda she had circulated to attendees. Not only had she changed the agenda I had agreed but she appointed herself as chair and listed me as note taker in quotes. I was fuming. I didn't see her in the office until the day of the meeting. We were at another meeting and she asked me if I had seen the agenda. I said yes and pointed out that it was a change to what had been agreed with my manager. Later, she attempted some amateur dramatics at the desk I had been allocated. She apologized and offered to amend the agenda. She almost sounded as if she wanted to cry. I told her I would work around what she had already emailed attendees, but she continued to offer to change the agenda, playing to the audience around us. I then cut her short by stating I needed to respond to an urgent matter, which was the truth. I then changed the subject by calling the head of team over to deal with the urgent issue, thereby neutralizing her antics. At the meeting, she decided to take notes. She then typed them up, conveniently minimizing my input and missing actions I had agreed. I followed up the email she had sent to attendees, adding the detail she had missed. That is an excellent one as well. If there are crucial omissions, in my view, that's often uh, one of the ways that racism, white supremacy is practiced, uh, omitting your contributions or key uh, details uh, where you all had agreed. And particularly anything that you think may come back to cause confusion later or problems for you later. 
go ahead and add that. It seems these details were missed and we've had uh, victims, callers who've talked about that where important details have been left out of uh, meeting notes. Uh, and they just went back, oh, this part was important. Can we get this included? Or something was changed. A keyword was changed. Do not hesitate to go back and get a correction. Uh, strive for accuracy. I've said for a long time, that is one thing that works against racism, white supremacy right there. Just striving for accuracy. You are being an attempted counter racist. You don't have to say anything about white supremacy. You don't have to accuse a white person of anything. Just strive for accuracy. Uh, also, we'll say I think we talk all the time, or at least I try to emphasize regularly. Uh, if you can't, you know, manage your emotions, maintain your composure. No other aspect of counter racism matters. Uh, if they can come in and say something or switch it up. You're supposed to be leading a meeting, and then they have you on as, oh, we we changed it around, and we just need you to empty the waste bins. Uh, certainly, that's incorrect. But you still want to be uh, calculated, codified in your response. A lot of times they do these things just to upset us. We've talked about that. Uh, with uh, the non other non-white person uh, also being an aspect of how the mistreatment, the unjust networking works. And it may be seeming like there was some sort of scheme to get where this non-white person was looking to maybe get you to say something bad about the white manager or any other white person in the company. Again, that's why I emphasize weekly, pretty much always, anytime that you're speaking, workplace setting, doesn't matter if you're talking to a black person, white person, a whole room full of people. If you all are in the locker room, if you all are in the lavatory, it doesn't matter. You are always speaking as though every single word down to the apostrophe that comes off of your lips is being recorded. There's going to be a stenographer there. Uh, there's going to be typed, detailed notes of every single word that you've said. It'll be transcribed. It'll be available uh, in at least 100 different languages. It'll be online. Everything. That's the way that you should think. That's just discipline. That way it doesn't matter. Whatever type of scheme that somebody has. Oh, yeah, we're going to get them today. What do you think about old Bob? And wait. And they might sometimes they might even be the one that come in and started off talking. That's why I said you want to get a reputation for not engaging in gossip. I do not participate in any of that. And even if it sounds like that's where it's veering, I like we've had many strategies. The how can we help that person? And even I do not participate in any of that. I have serious matters to attend to. Good afternoon. Good day. And immediately so that you get a reputation. I am never involved in that. I'm not even uh, one that's going to listen and snicker uh, about somebody talking about another employee and just make that a habit. I do not talk about other uh, employees on the workplace. If I have a problem with that person, I'll take it up with them directly, but I never, that's just bedrock codification. I never, ever am speaking about another employee on the job unless it is just remarkable compliments. Robert does some of the most outstanding work in this department. Impressive every single time. Thomas does fantastic work for the company, has done so since the very first day that he got here. Unless it's going to be a robust compliment about a black employee or non-white employee, no, I don't have anything to say about anybody. Number again, 605. Much obliged, Kizzy's cousin. Number again, 605 313 5100. 
The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate in the email until justice at gmail dot com. Uh, you can write in again if you have your own situation codification, if you have a problem uh, or if you want to respond to what has been shared uh, until justice at gmail dot com and we can read it on the air. Uh, I will sprinkle in the other emails as we proceed. Uh, we'll nab any of the callers if you all have responses for Kizzy's cousins <laughs> commentary. Uh, if you have your own situation you would like to address, uh, line should be open. I'll nab hands from the callers. Make sure I get in Dr. Welsing, the grandsister, uh, gently reminded on a pretty regular basis, there's no way, even if we just had four people, there would be no way or there should be no way. Just victims of racism. And everybody thinks that things are going great on the job. Snotty broadcast for spectators. Uh, that is lovely. If you are not experiencing any difficulties on the job, race soldiers are not terrorizing you this week. Spectacular. I am sure that is not the case for all of the non-whites in whatever your field is on your particular job. Uh, and even if they are not mistreating you, there certainly are probably a lot of other things that you should be mindful of observing in the workplace. Uh, but again, no spectators. While folks are getting their act together, I'll get through some of our other uh, notes here. Let's see. Next person uh, who wrote in, non-white male, I believe, uh, for the past year, I have worked from home for a food service chain in their marketing department. On my off day, my newly installed white female manager sent me a text message that I was inappropriate, in quotes, with a customer and that I should be careful in the future. The next workday, I looked over the email and the customer ended up being very upset that I asked for a receipt from his visit. This is something that is routinely requested. It was found out soon thereafter by a store manager that this customer fabricated the complaint in an attempt to receive several future meals comped. My manager was informed of this update and the case was closed at her direction. During our bi-weekly Skype meeting with the department, I waited my turn and asked my manager to clarify the policy of when it's appropriate and inappropriate to ask a suspicious-seeming person for something as normal as a receipt. She asked me if I wanted her to answer offline. I said no and then pasted the section of the email where she claimed I was inappropriate for the department to see. The others in the meeting read my response and began to question my manager as to why she had a problem with how I handled it. She, uh -oh, she immediately became flustered and blamed her short time in the position and being overwhelmed by different aspects of the job. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, let me start over. She immediately became flustered and blamed her short time in the position and being overwhelmed by different aspects of the job. 
mostly rambling for a few minutes with her eyes watering. Mm, mm, mm. Hashtag weeping white woman. Mm. Uh, I think this strategy has been used before. The great Sabrina Johnson, Washington, D.C., protege of previously mentioned the grandsister, Dr. Welsing. She has uh, she I made a sound clip of it. Uh, she said she was on a job. You see a white person. They look like they're about to tear up where they've done something wrong. Uh, it's not that they got hit upside the head with a brick or about to be terminated. They practiced racism against you or some other non-white person. And it seems like they might be getting outed for this. And now they're going to set up and cry. Oh, it's been so hard. Oh, John McCain law that hold up. Pause. This is a professional workplace environment. I would hope that we can all conduct ourselves as such. If you need a moment to compose yourself, you can take a few moments. If you need to go to the lavatory, get yourself together, get your composure and then rejoin us because this is serious matter. We just want clarification around policy and make sure that we can address this, resolve this matter so that we don't have this sort of issue moving forward codification nip that in the bud as soon as it looks like you got a white person tearing up in the workplace just go ahead and say something that's that's a little spiel you can go back in the archive and hear the way that sabrina johnson how she you know laid it out as soon as you see a person is about to cry so it doesn't sound like you're uh attacking them and what are you doing you know just calmly we are at work and we do need to sometimes you know address i mean people get fired you know so we knew we do need to be professional in addressing things. So if you need to take a few moments to compose yourself, feel free to do so. No problem. We can, you know, get a coffee really quick or water. Excuse me. We don't need the caffeine. We can get a water and then you can come back and rejoin us and we can go ahead and continue with policy and procedure. And when it's acceptable to ask for a receipt, when it's not acceptable. He continues this morning, I received a long email from the manager apologizing for my frust- frustration from her suggestion, that's the quote. Let me give that again. I received a long email from the manager apologizing for my frustration from her suggestion. Hmm. Not her incorrect behavior. Just be, you, you just were a little frustrated nigger. She insisted that I help co- uh, help. She insisted that I help collaborate with her to make improvements for the department. Later in the day, she sent an email apology to all members from the Skype meeting. I tried to be as codified as possible. I will continue to use all the tools learned from listening to the cows as a victim in the workplace. Well, I hope you have got some constructive information asking questions. A lot of times that is one of the best tools that you will have just being able to ask a question and it'll be obvious. The situation will make it obvious. What is the best question to ask? Because sometimes you don't need a whole list of 15 or 20 questions uh, just based on what he wrote. One question will take things exactly where they need to go. That's all you need sometimes. Just calmly, pleasantly ask because you're you're seeking the exact same thing after all the tackiness and weeping white women and everything else. You're seeking what she said. I'm looking for improvements so that I can improve. I can get those sparkly reviews. I can get my promotions and I don't get any stern talking to's because I requested a receipt or did any other aspect of my job. I'm looking for improvements, too context of white supremacy 
brilliant job and being codified, meaning watching your emotions, meaning your tone, your visuals. I'm so glad we have people who are talking about that already, watching their facial expressions, watching your tone when you ask your questions, especially, you know, if you recognize that you've been frustrated, they've done something to you really tacky or taking your name off. This is a meeting that you're supposed to be the lead. And now they moved you down to, you know, you're the garbage person for the meeting. I'm a little upset. I'm going to take five. I'm going to go to the bathroom really quick, take a few breaths, drink some water, collect myself, and then I'll figure out how I want to proceed. That is huge. When you can do that, I think for most of us attempting to be codified, that will put you in a much, much better position. That Just that five minutes might be the difference between you getting upset and saying something where he's like, hey, I wish I had done that. And you taking five and thinking, oh, there is a question to ask, or even better yet, there is a question and a page of policy and procedure that can be included when I go to ask my question. Bravo to the worker. And again, update if you, you know, share a situation, please follow up and let us know how things uh, proceed. Generally, whites do not just stop at once. If they are foiled on Friday, they will be back on Monday. So give us the update and let us know how things proceed until justice at gmail.com is the email. The number 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see the black African. You should be with us. I'll nab other hands as we proceed. Uh, thank you, sir. Um, I guess with the previous caller or well, the, the emails, um, I guess um, I've developed a, a strategy of, I don't want to say complaining, but um, um, pointing out certain maybe policy infractions or procedure infractions by not naming a person by but by naming a department or by naming a group or not necessarily calling them out but asking questions about a group like um, uh, I don't know uh, uh, is this the way that accounting should be doing this because I've seen this a couple of times just as an example that that usually uh, sometimes it can be ignored but if you ask if you ask a couple of times then and if you have examples because because you know white people call you out on it they'll say oh do you have an example of that and if you have like examples um they are usually they will usually have to change whatever is happening um i've noticed that maybe two or three times in my work environment where yeah i just don't I don't call out anybody. I just, I'll ask questions about a department, even if there's just one person. And I mean, even if there's just maybe one person in making those infractions, um, changes will be made because um, you're calling out a whole department and they want the process to be smooth or whatever uh, and, and flow. Um, I had a, a situation this week where I guess I was caught off guard or flustered where I think I will, I will develop a strategy. There was some, we were having like ongoing meetings in the workplace where 
there were no formal presentations per se. It was, I guess they call them negotiations. And so there's like two parties going back and forth and whatnot. And I guess I had particular information pertaining to these negotiations. And the, I guess I'll just say the head white person um, sort of said that they wanted me to to present on this. But I had, it was something that I had already spoken to a lot. So I, I'm like, yeah, I can present, I, I can, I can talk to this. And, but it, as, as the meetings go on, I don't, I just don't think that I'm going to present on this because other people are talking and whatnot. So I sort of like relax in the meeting because I've said what I needed to say. And then at some point he's just, Oh, um, you know, black African, can you, can you present on this? And I'm, and I was just caught off guard. I'm like, oh, like, and so the presentation was on, I don't know, I guess the metaphor is on the fly. And it wasn't as impactful. It was, it was an okay presentation, but it wasn't as impactful as I wanted it, as it should have been. Um, because the portion that I was presenting on was, and that I had already spoken on, was probably the most, I guess, compelling. Um, so I think the strategy, if something like that happens, I will ask, like, when am I going to present? Like, basically push for a time. Um, um, like, you know, like, e even though they're ongoing meetings, like, okay, am I going to present at four? Am I going to present at three? So then I can maybe even step out of the meetings and, and go and practice because presentations, they need to be very uh, calculated. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a strategy. Like, if you're going through that kind of situation, really force them to, uh, I don't want to use the force, but get them to give you a specific time when you're going to present so that you can prepare yourself. Um, what else did I have? Oh, the international, I guess this sounded like international workers on your, I don't know what's the word, immigrant workers on your, on your presentation earlier today. Um, and I guess I had been thinking about that because I had been thinking about um, the ADOS and, and some of the, 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 the people that present on the ADOS and I had been thinking about that it's presented as um, not to put, but that other non even non non ADOS black groups or non black people have I don't want to I don't want to say glamorous but that they have it um, I don't want to say better but that that they that they might have something that 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 white supremacists are providing them something that 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 is of advantage in this in the entire system of white supremacy and i don't think i mean i, I do know that they that you know white supremacists will give other groups um, certain things but i don't uh, I, I how can i phrase this? it's not glamorous most of the time for the lot for for the majority of the people it's not glamorous and I was reminded of um, 
some black people that had non-AADOS, so-called Africans, that had sort of uh, had come over to the U.S. and they were working at, they, I guess they were they were trying to be students, but then they started to work at a at a um, at a factory of some sort, um, and it was a like a plant, um, and I guess they were canning fruit, and it would be, and it was in the the Washington D.C. area, and um, and they were talking about how horrible the conditions were, and I think it was similar to your to your presentation where I think white people, they, they would get one group. It sounded like, of course, it sounded like Filipinos maybe were, it sounded like, and then these people that it was just one group of a specific tribe of people from so-called Africa that were working in this harsh, very harsh environment. It was cold. Um, they, they were, they, they kept certain times. You couldn't use the bathroom, just certain, like all those kinds of things. And, I think that that's important because I I noticed that in my just like looking around like in the Washington D.C. area I'll see okay um, Ethiopians seem to be working parking lots or Filipinos seem to work, be working embassies and like labor work and like I'll see like Hispanics working construction where there's like no black people working construction no other types of people working construction. Is just the, the people called Hispanics, um, and I think that's how white people practice race. In that, not only do they put pressure, like your your group puts pressure on you to behave a certain way, because they they're giving you these little. They, I mean, they're paying you, but but it's not it's not correct compensation. Let me just say that. Um, my last bit. Oh, there was there's a non a non white non black, but I think sometimes when I see them talking, they call themselves black. I think the person is from so called Samoa, but he plays rugby. He's a professional rugby player in um, Australia, and he I guess he had professed that he was a so called uh, Christian, a, a devout Christian, and so. In Australia, I think there's like a lot of um, propaganda and push for the anti anti sexuality stuff. And um, he had originally made, I think somebody had asked him a question about it, and he had said that he was completely against it um, because of his religion. And so, maybe a couple of months, maybe a month and a half ago, this person he posted. A, like I think a Bible verse, and in and and it was like a a long Bible verse. It wasn't long, but it had like a list of things that that he thought people shouldn't do, and if they did these infractions per se, that they would could be going to hell. And one of these was one of these was like I think it said sodomite. And this person's name is Israel Folau. His last name is spelled F O L. AU and um, white people began termination processes on his contract. He's a he's like he's probably the best rugby player at his position. Um, and he I think maybe a couple weeks ago he was terminated. His contract was terminated, and he had had a lucrative contract. And I 
and it, well, he had posted this on social media. And so I think I was, I was reading about it and I, even though he had spoken about a lot of other infractions like adulterers and alcoholics, they focused on this one issue. And so I guess, I mean, this, this, this thing has been sort of, we've talked about this on the show, but, um, you know, posting things, even if you have so-called beliefs that, that maybe some, you know, white people, you know, racist follow that, <laughs> you know, the, the other white people, they will, you know, they will, uh, they will terminate you for it. Uh, and, and he doesn't have the lucrative contract anymore. And his future seems to be bleak um, because of this post. Um, oh, thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you. Much obliged. Uh, I was reminded of Isaiah Washington uh, hearing that uh, it's pretty consistent. Uh, Non-white people, black males, non-white people in general, uh, you can lose all of your employment goodies really quick if you get that label of being a so-called uh, homophobe. Um, very, very easy. I remember Isaiah Washington, he's done a number of uh, interviews, and I think uh, he allegedly was accused of being homophobic or saying something homophobic. Uh, it was like 15 years ago. Uh, he was doing even recent interviews talking about how he couldn't get a job and people, yeah, same type of future looking bleak. Uh, same thing. Uh, Israel uh, Fola, F O L A. You, I see quite a few uh, reports talking about this individual. Global system. Uh, a few other uh, took notes uh, from your what you were sharing. I think that's an excellent uh, suggestion. And all of us can do that, just reviewing our own situation and looking to make improvements uh, and things we would do differently or uh, would say or not say based on what happened. Uh, but saying next time looking to get as much information as possible, as much detail as possible so that you'll have a time frame for when you're supposed to be giving a presentation. And I think that's a great habit to get in because frequently uh, I think deliberately or unintentionally non-white people frequently, we are in situations where we have not been given the best opportunity to be successful for a variety of reasons. Frequently in a system of racism, it's deliberately the case. Uh, but since that is so often, uh, trying to do things to minimize that. So as opposed to it just being, I got this uh, presentation and, you know, I'm supposed to really wow everybody, but I don't know when I'm going to go in. So I've got to sit here and twiddle my thumbs and wait and try to, you know, stay sharp and prepared and all that as I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, as opposed to having an exact time frame where she said that way you could go out, prep, just be more in the know uh, about when exactly, or at least a rough estimate about when you should be stepping up to deliver your presentation. Something great. And that's something that, you know, all of us can incorporate, try to minimize uh, situations where we're going to be uncertain about what's going to happen, what's going to be required of us, when all of this is going to happen. Try to make sure that we have as much information as possible so that we can maximize the likelihood of us being able to do our best. Um, I think for the workplace, uh, my suggestion would be that non-white people totally eradicate the term uh, complaint from our vocabulary. Uh, we never have a complaint in the workplace. Never. 
we have a report of possible mistreatment, a violation, an infraction of policy and procedure, mistreatment, sabotage. There are an array of terms that would fit. Complaint is never one. We are never making a complaint. Uh, I know Mr. Fuller has said that sometimes uh, in filling out paperwork to try to get a problem solved sometime on the form, It'll be written, you know, state your complaint here. And he said he would write next to it or cross out complaint and say that I am making a report. Uh, And that is important. Uh, Again, just it's so consistent where even the tacky uh, race soldier who signed off the mail caller who wrote in the white woman said, I want to apologize for your frustrations with my response. As opposed to, oh, I was practicing racism uh, and telling you not to ask for a receipt. Thought that was standard operating procedure to get a receipt. Uh, but they'll do those type of things to just make it that, oh, your your feelings were hurt. You were just sad yesterday. You were a little child and your feelings were hurt. And I'm so sorry about that. That's the way that they'll try to get us to think and present uh, situations. That's not what we want at all. Just use of words can drastically reframe a situation. We are never making a complaint. We are making a report. Seeking an inquiry. Investigation. Uh, let's see. I think also with the same thing in line with the not making accusations. Brilliant strategy of saying, is this the department's policy? for how they, you know, administer these forms or whatever the procedure is, is this standard operating procedure for this department? And again, the same thing, no one has been blamed. And that way, since that's collective, you should have a lot of people who have a vested interest, uh, everyone who's a part of that department, affiliated with that department, really. Wait a minute. (laughs) The policy is, boop. Nobody should be saying that we are not doing things in accordance with the policy. Yes, we are. We're going to make sure that everybody here is doing things in accordance with the policy. You won't have to be at all involved at all uh, once they investigate and, you know, check things out. I think that's a, a great strategy. Other people can try that one out if you're in an office situation where you have lots of other departments uh, and things. If you have an issue with a white person in a different department, don't make it about that white person. Just what's the procedure? What is the policy of stated department and do they follow it on a regular basis? Love it. Uh, much obliged, uh, the black African and having examples ready. That's why I talk about documentation. That's an important point, too, uh, because if you say, well, is this the policy of the department? And you already have examples prepared with dates and times. That's why I talk so frequently about documenting, uh, even if it's not per se something that happened to you. Just observing, observing infractions, that alone can take up a whole lot of journal space uh, because there will be a lot of times where you will be seeing things that are in violation of policy or procedure uh, or just things that are noteworthy uh, to pick out in the office, even though it might not necessarily be you being mistreated or something that's going to bother you either way directly, but it is something that is noteworthy, might, you know, become even more significant, you know, six months later or a year later. That's all you need. Just a few dates, times that will on such and such date and time. This is what happened. Bam. You have two or three of those. Generally, you're going to be in pretty uh, relatively solid standing as much as, you know, such a thing can exist in a system of racism. Uh, Let's see. Other folks, if you have questions, thoughts, uh, your own situation, uh, or if you have uh, comments on what has been shared, star six one, if you would like to chime in.
Uh, can you hear me? Uh, greetings, Jay Hello? in St. Louis. Yes, sir, we can hear you. Uh, hey, I wanted to uh, contribute to today's show. I really wanted to last week, so I couldn't wait uh, for it to start today. Um, so I told you all about, you know, my dealings with the organization I work for and the dealings with their kind of shady businesses on recruiting, things like that. I had another meeting. Um, we talked about it. And it was advised to me through a mentor I was assigned um, that, you know, because it's on paper now, there's no way to go about changing it. It's a reach out to HR and see if something can be done. So I'm still waiting on emails to come back. Uh, but it's doubtful that something will be done. Um, but there are some other things I wanted to report uh, because the, I think the really thinly veiled racism at this organization has been really what is most apparent to me. It's very thinly veiled. So, you know, you just, uh, at the job, I'm just dealing with customers, printing them out information about certain health benefits and things like that just providing them with simple information like normal customer service. And every time before we open, the white coworkers specifically, uh, there are a number of non-white coworkers, none of them use these kinds of metaphors um, about the public we interact with. And the public we interact with is 99% uh, non-white, black mostly. They always have things to say like, oh, ready to rumble, or uh, are, you, are you, you know, are you prepared for hell today, or, you know, don't get screamed at today, they might get angry at you, and, you know, like, they're just ghoulish, like, they're going to do something to them. These are just, you know, mostly older people. Most of the people who come into the place are, you know, 50 plus, um, not a lot going on. They're also security guard, security guards. Uh, at the front door because of the we're connected to like a city records building and stuff like that so people have to go through security when they come in and the security guards consistently just spout rhetoric um i was listening to last week's compensatory calling and you were talking about the rhetoric as well not to get off topic but that is what they do really good uh rhetoricians sophistry uh demagoguery i like to refer to it as they are really good at just spouting off information about things that they don't know much about. It's really uh, interesting to see, but a lot of it was centered around anti-black racism. And those are the kind of things I hear every day. Like they, like they have these stories about, oh yeah, you know, last time I was in this area, we found a lot of drugs. You know, people use, like to use drugs in this area. And look, look, you guys don't get shot down here. And, you know, St. Louis is very, very segregated. So all of the people we're dealing with, we're in the heart of St. Louis. All of the white people there drove hours away to come into the city. And they all work inside of the city and they take the money out of it and go back home and leave all the poor people in the, in the core of it. So I just wanted to share that. Metaphors, that is amazing. We have uh, victims of racism who are paying attention to metaphors that are being used on the job. And that's, you know, words. We say that all the time. Words are, are critically important. I just talked about the word complaint 
being mindful of the words that are being used in your workplace, uh, I think is a habit that will serve you well. Uh, that that alone can give a lot of information uh, about, you know, the thinking of the people that you work with. Uh, that metaphor, uh, ready to rumble, that one alone. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you all. I don't know what they do out in St. Louis, uh, but my life they generally, I associate the phrase ready to rumble with violence. Like it's about to be a fight uh, to go down uh, when, you know, Floyd Mayweather or somebody, when they have a fight, they generally get the white man in the ready to rumble. Yeah. All right. Let's get it on. Hit him upside. That, that's, that's what I associate with a fight, not working with a black pot. I mean, unless you all are getting ready to fight uh, the folks. And I think that's important, like paying attention to that sort of language. Like would it be, let's get ready to rumble. If you all were serving a predominantly white population or even a non black population would it be let's get ready to rumble uh dealing with the i mean are they coming in here with guns and i mean are we going to have a boxing match is it going to be headlocks all day long like the violence frequently talk about that with sundown towns all the time but it's all the time uh language and associating violence with black people uh black people are involved there should be violence happening we should be violent towards them got the security guard there you talked about the rhetoric there should be violence uh if black people involved they're dangerous that's what mr lowen said uh theory of white genetic annihilation got to be ready for violence uh just with that sort of language being mindful uh that in the workplace i don't think that's the sort of thing that i've paid attention to uh or thought of as significant prior to getting a better grasp of racism what it means to be white gus if i could please it was one more thing I forgot to tell you. That same individual also told me when I did one thing, one thing really insignificant, incorrectly, that I would be lynched if the manager sees me, who was also a white female. Same individual who used the metaphor ready to rumble. Just wanted to share that. I had completely skipped my mind. That uh, PTSD, uh, that is what happens with trauma. Uh, that is an incident I would probably want to forget as well. Uh, if I had someone tell me that if I did that again, I would in in Michael Brown Jr.'s St. Louis, no less, although we could name a lot of victims. But I mean, hey, um, to have somebody tell me that in a workplace, that if you do that again, you'll be lynched, not you'll get additional training, not that you'll get a verbal warning. Uh, not that, you know, hey, let me make sure that, you know, the proper procedure so that, you know, we don't waste a whole lot of time uh, having to go back and redo things. You will be lynched. Wow. And again, we are to believe we are told that this is white ignorance, that they just don't know about lynch sundown towns they just don't know about lynchings they're ignorant about all that and just don't know uh what that means a phrase like that they just don't know what that means the same probably the same type of uh i would say rhetoric to defend oh yeah and they also don't know why they would say let's get ready to rumble the negroes are coming in we're ready to roll that is racism white supremacy again just being mindful it does it's not a lot of times it's not necessarily Whites doing things to mistreat you directly, at least not in your face. But, oh, man, just paying attention to the words that are being used uh, and how they function in the workplace. It will reveal a lot uh, if you are just paying attention, listening. Even that lynching comment, a statement like that, like that might be a good time to write that down. That's always an excellent, excellent strategy that I give out. You don't have to say if you if you want to say anything, it can be hmm, as you write that down and or. Could you repeat that? 
and just write that down. Date, time, that's when you can wait, you know, a week and come back. Lisa, last week I messed up using the copier or I didn't fill out form uh, 5902 correctly. And you told me that if I messed that up again, I would be lynched. What did you mean? And let them explain. And for that one, I might have a whole lot of questions. Like, are, other, are there any other infractions that I might be lynched for? Are any other employees under threat of being lynched if they commit an infraction? Lots of questions. Lots of questions. That might, that's another one. If you got your recorder, if we have any folks, that's a part of your workplace uh, code. Any of those big ones, uh, terms that would be what they call smoking gun. If you say racism was practiced and someone says, oh, get out of here, you're lying. What do you mean racism was practiced? They called me a nigger. They said I was going to be lynched. Smoking gun. These are big flagrant ones where most of the time people wouldn't argue with you. Oh, yeah, that was definitely racist. That's even a great one. If you got your recorder and you are quick on the draw, bang, get that recorded, file that away. You can figure out what you want to do with it. But that's another one. Maintaining your composure. Uh, definitely one I would recommend as best you can. Not being surprised. We talked about all this, the racist jokes. Even if they call you a nigger, you should not be stunned. All of us minimum should have already practiced that. Now, if I'm on a job, I don't care what type of job I have. If I make ten dollars an hour, uh, ten thousand dollars an hour. I could be called a nigger. If I am, this is what I'm going to do. You're already prepared. That way you're not surprised. You've already practiced it. This is what I'm going to say. Just write it down, whatever. Record so that you're not surprised as best you can. These type of things happen on a regular basis. Even the lynching comment, because I've heard that from folks before. Matter of fact, we had someone, I think we have a visual of this. They said that they posted a a sign up and it had an actual uh, like flogging and it was you're going to you will be whipped if you do that again. Like this is very common in the workplace. So don't be surprised if you hear these type of metaphors being used. Much obliged, uh, J.N. St. Louis words are very important. And in my view, racist man, racist woman, even racist child, they are very aware of what I just said. Words are very important. Their main tool in practicing racism. Uh, let's see. Number again, 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you have questions, comments on what has been shared thus far, or if you have your own situation. Uh, if we have any folks who have uh, any experience uh, using FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, uh, that would be appreciated. I would definitely encourage uh, folks to review FMLA, how it pertains to your employment. Uh, It can be beneficial. I know I talked to some uh, CALS listeners off air, and as I've stated pretty consistently, generally within about the first five minutes, workplace racism uh, is the topic of conversation. Uh, And FMLA came up and just uh, victims observing how whites on the job seem to be using and benefiting from FMLA uh, and saying that they had life stress or medical conditions or uh, had other immediate family members who had medical conditions and that required some of their time and energy. And they were able to get time away from the job. Uh, either for their own personal medical needs uh, or whatever they needed it for, and then they could come back. 
uh, that seem to be a benefit uh, to them. So I would encourage uh, other victims of racism, uh, check out FMLA policy as it relates to your job. And if we have folks who have used FMLA to your benefit, uh, let us know, because I think uh, a lot of times uh, we just don't get all of the information uh, to use all of the resources that are available to us uh, on jobs. I've seen that I've been a victim uh, of this myself. So find out as much as you can. That's why I encourage policy and procedure. Any other uh, resources about your benefit package or anything else that uh, you have available to you, try to find out as much as you can. Like really be no, that's what's asking questions. Uh, sometimes you're asking questions. That's a part of your counter racism. Other times you want to make sure you're asking a lot of questions because you want to be getting information. Uh, I think a lot of times one of the ways that racism, white supremacy is practiced against us on jobs. Uh, we don't get all of the useful information at a time when we can use it. So also make sure you're being very proactive, asking questions, being very inquisitive about your work environment. Learn as much as you possibly can, especially uh, if this is a job where you're thinking, hey, I don't plan on just being here for six months. I don't plan on just being here for a year. I'm thinking, you know, I might want to hang out here for a few years or what have you. Oh, yeah. You want to try to gather as much information as possible. And I would submit, suggest, even if you're going to be there for a short period for six months, even then try to gather as much useful information as you can. You never know what could benefit you on the time that you're there. You might find out something that can get you a, you know, 50% increase in your salary. With that, uh, let's see, folks are, looks like spectating star six, one, if you have your own situation, uh, comments to share, I'll sprinkle in other emails as we proceed. Uh, let's see this one. I think I missed last week. Kizzy's cousin. She wrote in, she also had her report, uh, for this week. Oh, okay. She just making sure I got it. I did get it, uh, for this week. So we're all caught up with our emails. Thank goodness. Uh, I also wanted to make sure I neglected, I was supposed to include this when we had Dr. Ruby Lathan on the program. She was with us this past Wednesday, second time around. Uh, we got lots more great information about being plant-based, drinking more water, trying to really uh, emphasize the importance of what we eat as a part of counter-racism and taking uh, really good care of ourselves as best we can uh, in terms of eating in the workplace. I think we talked about this last week uh, in terms of what foods uh, are brought into the workplace, what we're eating in the workplace, uh, obviously being careful about the public refrigerators and all that. I've had my own problems with that in my uh, work experience. I think I've talked about it before on the program. I would also recommend, uh, in addition to not participating in any of the food that they're bringing in, because most of the time it's just poison, the donuts, Doritos, Cheetos, all the nonsense, pizza day. In addition to avoiding all that, I would encourage seeing if you can eat less while you are at work. Uh, it takes a lot of energy to digest food. It, just try it and see how you feel. Uh, eating lighter. I'm not saying, that, you know, starve yourself at work. I'm not saying that at all. But eating lighter foods. I think a lot of times uh, you can get pulled into going out for the luncheons uh, and bringing in heavier foods, burgers and all of that. Just see how you feel going lighter with food in the workplace, eating more fruits, not having the big, if you do the big heavy breakfast and all of that, lighter foods. And then you can, you know, I guess be a little more liberal with your food choices once you're away from work, just because I think you'll see a dramatic difference in how much uh, energy 
you have in the workplace uh, when you are not eating as much. Just try it out. See how it feels. Have fruits. Eat, have foods there, but just not all the heaviness. Try more fruits. That can be a way that you can incorporate more fruits and vegetables uh, into your diet as well. You can do a smoothie right uh, in the morning for breakfast instead of something heavy if you're into the hopefully not eggs and all that uh, nonsense. But just switch it up and see how you feel. In addition to all that, uh, water consumption. We did talk about with Dr. Lathan those energy drinks and people that are on jobs where you are drinking all that caffeine, coffee, uh, Red Bulls and all the rest of it. And she talked in detail about how that is not healthy and that there are other options that would be much better for you. Water is a great one. I would recommend if you don't have a water bottle. I know some uh, workplaces is cool enough. They have uh, water bottles or they'll have filtered water available uh, or even spring water available at the job. Really make that a mission uh, to drink. See if you can get in uh, a good five glasses of water. When I say a glass, eight ounces, uh, get in a good 40 ounces of water. If you're doing like the 35, 40 hour workday, see if you can get in 35 to 40 ounces of water while you are at work. That helps so much. Not those sodas, not coffee, not any flavored waters, not tea, just water. Uh, it helps so much. And what I found for me days when I am stressed, if whites have really terrorized you, just getting that water in, it helps lower your heart rate. It helps do so much in terms of regulating your well-being and minimal things. You drink water, you're going to have to go to the bathroom. It will demand getting up, getting away from your desk, even if it's just while you're in the stall for a few moments. Breathe. Calm down. You can take a self-assessment. You can Really, we can make that a part of the counter-racist code. Anytime that you go to the restroom, do a self-scan. How am I feeling? Where is my patience at? Am I frustrated? What am I upset about? Just make an assessment. You can see how your day is going. But if you are drinking that water, you will have to get up and go to the bathroom regularly. And that can rescue you. We've already had several people uh, where they've been in conversation with whites and they've been about to cry or get involved in some nonsense. Oh, got to make a, a exit to the bathroom. I'll have to check in with you later and you'll have an honest reason to flee. Really good. And I'm emphasizing this just because I know I myself was in a work environment where it was very difficult for me to consume water and very difficult for me to get to the bathroom. Uh, and I think there are many non-white people who have been in work situations like that where race, just fundamentals, races make it hard for us to get to the bathroom. That alone, uh, if you are in such a work situation, I would say, number one, remedy that uh, as soon as possible. Uh, if it needs to be worked out, whatever you need to do, including looking for other employment, it is not healthy to be in a job situation where you're having to hold it for a long period of time. And I'm I'm putting my hand up. I was there uh, and it was me. And I was seeing how other co-workers were having the exact same problem where it was like a brawl every, literally just to get, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes to run to the bathroom. Uh, if that is your work situation, recognize that is super unhealthy. Do all that you can, including going through policy and procedure to see if there's something in there about having regular bathroom breaks, but make sure you're able to go. Uh, and if you're not, you're looking for another job. Big point of all of that, drink more water. Uh, it is not even if you're on a job that's stressful and, you know, you have problems or if you don't get enough adequate rest and you need help staying awake, all that caffeine, normally it's going to have a lot of sugar in it. The energy drinks that is not for adequate health, that is not going to benefit us in the long run. Drink more water. I think the goal should be 40 ounces if you're 35, 40 hour workday. 
Uh, let's see. Other folks, if you have uh, comments, questions, uh, certainly feedback if any folks have been in that situation, a work environment where it was an obstacle course for you to get to the bathroom or racists seemed like they were making it hard for you to get to the lavatory, would definitely appreciate commentary on that because I know that is a widespread trauma. Stacy in the UK, get our obligatory timestamp uh, two. 27 a.m. Saturday morning, technically June 1 uh, in the great UK. It is. Hello to you and to the rest of the callers. Sorry, I actually wasn't going to respond to your question about um, bathroom bakes. Um, were you waiting for people to comment specifically on that? No, nothing specific. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to... Oh, hold on. I just wanted to um, agree with you about the person who emailed in about the manager emailing and and indicating that that person was frustrated um, the the issue around the receipts. Um, I, I guess I'm not sure on the time scales involved here in between them write it in their report and when their manager sent that email but I would not I'm being very careful with words so it doesn't sound like you're being rude or you're retaliating but I would probably send some kind of acknowledgement email um, thanking her for the clarification and indicating that you were not frustrated um, but you know just definitely wanting clarification because confused by the direction that she gave I mean word it in a way that doesn't sound like you're being overly critical but you're just really thanking her for providing clarification because that's what you were seeking definitely not frustration because uh, that's that that to me sounds like this person I mean I don't you know whether they will actually make an issue of it immediately probably not but having those kind of emails putting the blame on an individual and using words like they're the person who's frustrated that's just creating an audit trial and giving the negative impression of that person so I would definitely write um, respond back but not in a way which suggests that you're being hostile in any way I would almost you know write it in a really friendly manner and then just give wait a couple of days before you actually press send on that email um and then I was going back through the archives of the broadcast and listening to um, the recent compensatory call-ins and also the, some of the workplace racism broadcasts from probably this, well, no, very early in 2018. And I know that Thomas in New York has uh, now changed jobs and the reason why is to do with the or being accused of stealing um, some of the money that he was being given for purchasing fruit at the previous organisation. And in going back through some of the 2018 archives, he was, uh, when he had just started that position, he had re realised that the person who was doing the job before him um, was very anxious about the amount of fruit he was buying 
Um, and I guess Thomas in New York realized that perhaps that person had been siphoning enough the money and, um, yeah, well, basically stealing and therefore had played a significant part in the reason why he was then terminated from that position. And without any sort of judgment on Thomas in New York's the way of handling it, it just suddenly I don't know, just listening to it again, sort of almost 12 months later, slightly more, um, it just made me think about, well, I guess my question is, how would he potentially do things differently? Because he definitely picked up on the fact that that person had been um, stealing and that person has obviously spent a year and being, uh, well, a year um, covering his tracks and creating a scenario where Thomas in New York is the person who is, um, be what well, was identified as a person committing some kind of fraud and, and had actually convinced management that that was the case. And, you know, it, it just made me wonder really about, you know, some of the things, situations that we can be put in and your intuition about a situation that is clearly something's wrong. Um, and I know, you know, I've, I've spoken before about being asked to do things, even where managers have said to me, oh, well, you know, this is not quite in the procedure. And um, therefore, but still encouraging me to um, basically breach com company policy. And I've gone out and I've directly sought advice from other people in, in companies where I've worked and also referred them back to policy immediately and therefore not carried out the um, whatever they've been asking. And it just, just, just I don't know for me in, in that situation, and I guess more broadly, it's how and when we um, reflect on things that for us seem that they're definitely incorrect and how we can then manage those situations better with hindsight so that we're not were in a position where somebody's either got you fired from a position or where, you know, you need to actually maybe just switch up your approach so that you are not, you're, you're preempting any negative outcome for you. But I'll meet my line there, guys. Much obliged, Stacey, in the UK. Uh, I think Thomas gave that update about uh, him being accused of stealing the fruit money, but it was not on a workplace racism program. I think that was on a compensatory call-in. Might have to make that a sound clip, so it'll be in the workplace racism archive specifically. Uh, but that that is being able to go back and hear him talking about things that have happened, you know, over the last year and a half or so on his job uh, back at the beginning that the previous person said, oh, wow, you got all that food might <laughs> draw some some suspicion uh, to the operation that I had going on here. Uh, and I remember it seemed like there were many points uh, through his employment there where uh, he was accused of buying too much fruit. Uh, it was the accusation that it was he was wasting fruit and he had a white racist who was pestering him. Uh, and saying that I'm going to, you know, talk to the people about this, you know, so that you get less money uh, so that we're not wasting all of this food. Like, I think that was a major aspect or a major gripe early on. Uh, and then, you know, to have him be accused of stealing the fruit money. Uh, but I think that's that's codification. Uh, is there anything that I could have done uh, to put myself in a in a 
for lack of a better word, safer position uh, to minimize the likelihood of this type of thing happening. Uh, that's we go back to those receipts. That's why I say that's blasphemy. Somebody being told, don't you ask for a receipt? That's crap. I mean, what? <laughs> In this environment? What? I want a receipt for everything, even if I was just going to buy 50 cent toothpicks uh, for a job. Oh, yeah. Give me a receipt. <laughs> like I'll be I'll be accused of stealing nickels. Come on. Whole receipt. Give it right now. And then photocopy. I think that's why I'd said before, not just getting the receipt, but I mean, hey, we got all these gadgets and technology immediately. Take a picture of the receipt. If something happens, they lose it. Can't find it. Don't even worry about it. Boop. Got it in the cloud. No problem. I would do that just because these type of things are so common. And again, if it wasn't a system of racism, eh, whatever. Because there's so many of these type of accusations. Oh, you stole the banana money or whatever it is. Yes, let's try to be as preemptive as possible. Uh, other, I have to ask Thomas. I don't know if he'll be with us today or uh, tomorrow for the compensatory call-in, but I will ask if there's anything that he would have done differently uh, that he thinks could have put him in a better position with the uh, former racists. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, additional comments about what we've heard thus far, your own situation, proceed. Can I be heard? Uh, greetings, our caller in Virginia. Hopefully not in the mud. She was Hello, with us yeah. for the uh, yoga retreat. So good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, too. Um, two things I'd like to share. Um, again, with the, the words are important along the lines of the lynching comment. Um, I had a meeting with a donor this week, and it was a one-on-one -on -one breakfast meeting. We, this is part of what we do when we're asking for money. <laughs> um, and so we sit down, and she's a little older, and so she was telling me, you know, about what's been going on with her. And she had been telling me about what was going on with her via email. So when we sat down to have breakfast, um, I said, so it sounds like you've been really busy, you know. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm a slave driver. Hmm strange term and she kind of chuckled um so that kind of caught me off guard i didn't say anything i just looked at her um and then from there and and i guess she was referring to herself as a slave driver on herself or toward herself because of all the work she's putting upon herself i think that was her um the reason for her saying that but it just it didn't make any sense so that was the first thing. And then she went into some of the things that she's been seeing and she started talking about um, white women voting and the suffragist movement. And she said, you know, black men were allowed to vote even before white women. And she said it almost like as though that should not have been the case or what have you. So she said that. And then she started talking about white women suffragettes, you know, being very mistreated in some kind of internment camp at some point in the 20s or what have you. And she had visited some kind of, you know, one of these camps. And so I had never heard of that. But she started graphically trying to explain to me that these white women who were trying to get the, the vote were being physically abused when they were at these camps just because they were trying to get the vote. Okay. All right. I've never heard that history lesson. So that, just wanted to share that. Second thing I wanted to share is, um, and you'll probably, and people across the country will start to hear this news, but today in Virginia, there was a mass shooting at the municipal center in Virginia Beach, um, which is not too far from where I am. And what's very scary about this is that, um, you know, um, we, we 
try to explain that white people are terrorists, but they don't call themselves this. Um, but just, you know, for everyone, part of your code should be make sure you kind of know what's going on, at least in your workplace, so that you could kind of maybe see the person who was the shooter was a long-term employee and went in and shot 11 people um, in his workplace. And the, the other strange thing about this situation is that, you know, just a few weeks ago, there was a big music festival. Pharrell did some music festival. They called it Something in the Water. I don't know if you heard about it or not. But the people of Virginia Beach were very concerned leading up to this music festival that all the Negroes who were going to be at this festival would, you know, incite violence. There was a big, heavy police president president police presence at the festival and it was a big thing you know and there was no incident so everything was fine when the black folks came to town little did they know a couple weeks later one of their own because i'm assuming that one of their own was the one who was going to go into the municipal center and shoot up 11 people um, and six people are injured so um, again it's just unfortunate that their eyes are on us and it was even interesting to hear how they were describing how the shooting in Virginia, but that's every day. It's hard to track all of the uh, acts of white violence ready to rumble always. Uh, I had to check on that, uh, I guess, sometime this evening to get more details. But absolutely. That's why I said any uh, comments that are suggesting violence in the workplace uh, where we've had so many people who've talked about whites referencing uh, firearms uh, having uh, guns and ammunition, magazines and what have you in the workplace, all of that should be taken very seriously. Uh, it, we can never, I, I don't think it's ever a safe policy uh, to minimize uh, any sort of violent association or references from a group of people who have made it their business to be the global experts on terrorism and practicing terrorism. Uh, so super important. Uh, I think those are excellent suggestions. Uh, and take that seriously. If you're, I think we talked about that before. I know Emmy mentioned that. Uh, if you're having any intuition, any signals, there's evidence based on evidence where, man, something is seeming off with this person. Uh, they're making comments and the way that they're behaving and something just doesn't feel right. Say something. Uh, if that means you need to take some time to get your words together uh, to articulate it or someone that you feel uh, OK reporting it to. But say something. Trust those signals. Uh, Mr. Fuller says that you get signals for all of us get uh, signals from the creator. Uh, and sometimes because of racism, we ignore those signals. Uh, but be mindful. These shootings happen regularly. Uh, those the slave driver uh, comment <clears throat> that is so common. Uh, that's why when it was mentioned before about uh, lynching and all of that, this is frequent. Uh, that's why it shouldn't be a surprise. Just hmm, I'm getting a lot more information uh, about the people that I work with. Always good to know. Be mindful of that. And when she's talking about a slave driver, if she's a slave driver for herself, I already know what that means for me uh, or any other niggers, uh on the premises. If you see yourself as a slave driver. Be mindful of the words, mindful of the words uh, at all times. Uh, other folks, if you dialed in, if you have uh, comments on what has been shared or if you have your own situation, you would like to discuss uh, star six one. Feel free to chime in.
folks are still spectating. Um, The Black African. Go ahead. Um, Can I be heard? Uh, Yes, sir. Okay, sorry. Um, I wanted to share my... You were talking about food in the workplace. Excuse me. And you were talking about um, sort of eating less. And I think I've shared this before, but um, about breathing, but I also walk because I work at a pretty large facility. And um, so I'll go outside. Um, Sometimes I'll walk inside the facility, but I like it when it's like warm, like now. I'll walk outside around the facility maybe once or twice. And that calms me down because, and usually, so I've, I've sort of developed, like, if I was asked, like, you know, why am I walking? I mean, the, the people take, like, cigarette breaks, so I would just say this is, like, my walking break. Um, and I, I don't eat heavy. I usually have, like, a, a smoothie in the morning. And I was never really a smoothie person, but I noticed, like, if I blend, like, if I blend like a banana and like, let's just say like an orange and uh, let's just say a mango or something like that, it it is it, not like a lot. It it becomes like like a half a cup or something like that. So, it, you know, you can consume it quickly, either on your way to the workplace or in the workplace. And then I'll have like a small lunch, but then I'll have like a fruit, and then it like like around like three or something like that and i'll walk eating my fruit outside and or you know if it's raining or whatever i'll I'll eat it standing up at my uh, work location but that usually provides enough breaks and interruptions in the work day that i will be energized throughout the work day because I'm not sitting down the whole time. I'll get up and walk. I'll be eating fruit uh, and whatnot. And then I don't, because, you know, with the new diet, and whatnot, I don't have any um, uppers or whatever. I, I won't have any coffee. So I, my energy won't go up and then go down, or I won't have any energy drinks where, you know, your energy goes up and down. It just sort of like stay consistent throughout the day. Um, I also thought I would share. Um, I've noticed um, I, sometimes I, I, when I was very confused about racism, I used to, I guess the term would be bad mouth or bad. Yeah, I would say bad mouth HBCUs. And I've heard some people bad mouthing HBCUs. Sometimes it's in the context of like HBCUs um, ending racism. Um, but after going to an HBCU, after that experience, I, I, I think this pertains to workplace racism because it's a school environment. I, it, for one thing, you people, you'll find a lot more people that actually care about you at the HBCU. Um, and I mean, genuinely, like, um, not, not in a, people that actually care about you. And then I've noticed this might have to do with all the, you know, the white people getting older and whatnot. And 
But there are a lot of opportunities in terms of employment at the HBCUs. And usually it's former um, students who provide the opportunities. So you have actually people that care about the institution, that care about the type of students that are there, that provide, um, when I was thinking about, I thought it would be called like just networking or justice networking or something like, where they're really providing you up with chances to, to go straight to the hiring manager. And a lot of the times you don't apply, uh, I mean, my, you won't apply for the job until you've actually been given the job. So like they've already told you, you're going to get the job that has happened with several people. Um, well, at the institution that I went to. Um, so I think that if I was a parent or if I was somebody that was going to go to school or something, I would rethink um, HBCUs and the opportunities that they have to provide because there are great opportunities there. Thank you for allowing me to share. Much obliged, the Black African. I know we have uh, some HBCU uh, alums uh, who are listeners, investors. Uh, I think that's a great point about employment opportunities there uh, as well uh, to investigate. If you uh, are interested in the area, checking out, I think that's uh, fantastic. Um, <clears throat> the food reference, outstanding, uh, that that's being applied uh, in terms of eating a little bit less. And like I said, I'm not saying starving. You said you had your smoothie in the morning. You have a light lunch. You have uh, fruit available uh, to eat, nuts, whatever it is, granola. You can have snacks. Certainly not saying starving, but just not having big, heavy meals. Uh, I think you'll have more energy. You'll feel better. Uh, and, you know, you're not starving. Uh, I think it'll end. Water, big one. Getting that water in, not the energy drinks, the Red Bulls, uh, all of that. Get quality rest. If you're really tired, uh, then maybe look at some other uh, lifestyle changes so that you can rest more. Uh, but you do not want to be just slurping down coffee and all the rest of it. Caffeine, uh, sugar, can't put that in because most people are not just doing uh, a black coffee, especially nowadays. It's lattes and all the rest with all the sugar and dairy uh, in it. Put that down. Drink more water. 40 hours. 30, uh, excuse me. Ounces. 35 to 40 ounces if you're doing a 35, uh, 35 to 40 hour work day uh other folks eight hours excuse me eight hour work day eight hour work day uh other folks uh who dialed in if you have commentary to share your own experience or if you have comments on what's been discussed proceed Folks are still spectating, so we had other hands as well. I'll give out the number one more time, 605-313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. also wanted to make sure that I, uh, or suggested rather, uh, the term uh, shady, I would encourage not using. Uh, there are lots of those type of words uh, where anything white gets associated with something positive uh, and anything that is t trending, tending towards black or darkness is associated with something foul, such as shady. Uh, so I would recommend not using that uh, work context or 
Uh, otherwise, words are very important. Uh, let's see. Uh, that might even be a good policy to check on. I know that's something that I thought about as well. If you're on one of those jobs where people get to take those uh, wacky smoke breaks, because uh, I've seen where that can get out of control. Hopefully that's no cows listeners here. Uh, but it hopefully, in addition to being a cows listener, you don't smoke. So on the job, instead of a smoke break, you can do a walk break. Uh, I would definitely encourage that as well. Uh, get a little motion. Uh, it's always good for your body, especially if you can get some fresh air uh, now that it's warmer, hopefully, where you are. Uh, I think that is uh, spectacular. That can do wonders if you are feeling stressed, if you are feeling frustrated about your work situation, just being able to get, even if it's just five minutes uh, of a stroll, get some sunlight, a little bit of vitamin D, get some fresh air. You can think, calm yourself down, drink a little water, and then come back to your work environment. That is, you know, easy strategy. Lots of things that people can do uh, to try to calm down, refocus, figure out the best way to proceed. See, uh, while folks are, I guess, Stacy in the Hello? UK, yes, ma'am. Oh, I was just gonna um, add um, to the tools for, I guess, staying focused and calm and de stressing. I remember on, I don't know which one, but one of Dr. Wilson's broadcasts or Maybe it was somebody else referencing something Dr. Wilson had said that about listening to opera music and that, that how that helps you to focus. And I've been trying that out, particularly in the workplace, um, especially, and, and I guess, not trying to continuously block out what's going on around me because that's important to pay attention to your surrounding. But just times when there's a lot of unnecessary chatter surrounding you that is just gossip and you're trying to focus particularly when you've got a lot of work to do it really does help you focus and I find that sometimes works better than listening to maybe broadcasts not necessarily the cows or that for me I tend not to um I used to listen to cows in the office um I'm being more careful with the use of Wi-Fi and downloads and all those kind of things. Um, but in order to help me stay focused and get things done so that I'm not then taking work home or doing anything else that involves me using up unnecessary amounts of my own personal time, I just find listening to opera music really does help you focus. Um, and so I just recommend that to listeners to add to their uh, codification. I'll make my language. Wow. Much obliged for the suggestion, Stacy. Opera music for focus. Right on. Uh, we'll have to, if other folks, if you try it out, report back if it helped you focus, block out some of those uh, distractions. Let us know. I remember she was. I remember her talking about uh, Baroque music. It's like a specific type of uh, classical music. I've tried that one out. That one I like a lot. I've written uh, listening to that one and done other where you have to be, kind of be sitting down and doing long writing or just work at the computer plugging away. I like that with Baroque music. They have uh, playlists uh, on YouTube that you can listen to. Probably other outlets uh, where you can listen to that. That's supposed to be good for concentration also. Uh, 
that was a quick but important suggestion with regards to being mindful of downloads and Wi-Fi use in the workplace. Uh, we talked about that before in terms of uh, whatever you're browsing. Uh, and I just, hey, don't use the Wi-Fi there at all unless it's work-related you know, activities. But I would not search anything. I wouldn't even want them to have a browse history of you know what articles I looked at in the newspaper or anything. So very important to be mindful of that. Uh, no one is more... Uh, <laughs> No one does more snooping than racist man, racist woman, racist child. So that's another one. Your whole browser history, anything that you do uh, online, you should think I should be totally okay with everybody in the company knowing that I went to this website, that I looked at this article. If that's not the case, then I would not use their Wi-Fi or their computer to do your searching. Uh, other folks uh, have comments, suggestions. Uh, you had your own situation you wanted to speak on or what you've heard thus far. Folks are. Uh, hello, Gus. I just, no, just really quickly, your comment about the shady, um, it reminded me of well, in my workplace, there's a there's a metaphor in the black, and it's in like finance and whatnot. In the black, and it just means that when a company is profitable, I think I don't know if it's positive or negative. I think it's negative because I think it it relates to slavery. Uh, well, they'll say you're in the black or in the red. I think there's etymology that that's what it traces to you're uh in the black the the negras are profitable you are doing well in the red not so good the the reds allegedly they could escape or whatever it is uh, but they have lots of explanations for that tracing back to racism white supremacy like many of the metaphors the language of white terrorism uh let's see other folks uh who dialed in if you have a hand up uh comments questions you wanted to add Proceed. Greetings. Uh, greetings, retired firefighter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I have been waiting, been waiting for a long time. Uh, heard a lot. Uh, I'll just speak on. I'll just speak on the part that I uh, uh, w w uh, remember hearing from other callers uh, with the uh, the advent of uh, being prepared to uh, make a report. Everything that, that I heard sounded correct, you know, by the idea of never accusing anybody of anything. Uh, do not uh, issue it as a uh, complaint uh, or something like that. You want to kind of want to, you, you don't want to display your, uh, feelings about anything. You want to make a report, uh, as far as that concern. And, uh, I think, uh, the caller that identifies themselves as, uh, Africa, uh, I would say, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I have a cell phone, but I don't, know the full capacity of it but i think in some kind of way it has a means to to keep notes 
that sort of thing. Because one thing I'm thinking of from a logical standpoint is that on the job, the employer is always, quote unquote, prepared when you have these uh, uh, meetings on issues involving an employee, they're always ready. And they're banking on that the person that is the quote unquote target may not be ready, <laughs> may not be ready to prepare themselves to make their pre presentation. So I would suggest is that one would keep uh, access to the information of their particular case uh, always ready, uh, make a practice of, of kind of like, uh, re, re, uh, uh, addressing yourself to the issue, you know, so that when it does come around, you'll be prepared, you know, even at the times where, where they would, they would say, well, I know, I know he is not, you know, this, this been at least two weeks or, or a month, you know, after that particular incident on the job. And uh, I know he or she is not ready, you know, and, and, all you, and you basically go on your phone and where that notation is kept and you can, you can quickly, you can quickly uh, readdress yourself to the, uh, the details that, that you know that are necessary for you to be successful, you know, with it. Uh, and uh, I think that would be the best opportunity, the best chance for, uh, that person to uh, succeed, uh, and if if they if it's a situation where they want to uh, uh, maintain themselves in for a long period of time, it they'll, it'll give them the best chance to do so. Uh, of my thoughts. Uh, what what other questions that may have came up uh, during the time on the on the program today that maybe I can uh, make some comment on. Let's see. I don't recall if the people that wrote in had specific questions about an incident or the people that have shared thus far. I don't recall that people have had uh, specific questions. Um, yeah, I think I just addressed okay. that in general. If people were on jobs where uh, whites made it difficult for them to just get to the bathroom, which can end up being a major problem. I spoke that's been a problem for me. If people had uh, experience with that directly or people that work in uh, as in the nursing or medical industry, because we had audio clip talking about how abusive that industry can be and how an increasing number of non-white people, that's what they're going to be doing, caring for the uh, elderly whites. Uh was asking if people had direct experience or codification for that, but I don't remember if there were other specific questions. Oh, boy, that's, that's, oh, my, uh, my thoughts go out to those people who have to do that. Uh, and I know it has to be because I see it all the time down here in South Florida where there's a non-white person, preferably a non-white female. Matter of fact, I just saw it today about maybe six or seven hours ago. Uh, you see it all the time where a non-white black person, primarily the female, that has to care for elderly white persons you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's just some like eight hours. It's probably something like a 12 hour shift or something like that where they have to do that. I saw it because I was going to a grocery store and, and, uh, a lot of times down here in South Florida, that non-white black female 
would have some kind of connections with the place on earth that's called Jamaica. Because it, uh, most of the ones that I've heard when they, when I hear them talking have have a uh, quote unquote Caribbean accent, and uh, that that is almost like routine down here in South Florida. You know, as far as an elderly person that is not uh, isolated in one of those uh, uh, elderly care facilities, they if they're out, it's a non-white black female that is pushing them in a in a wheelchair or some kind of you know equipped uh apparatus that sort of thing and ugh, i'll tell you that's something else but yeah uh the the non-white black employee in my estimation would have to you know assume to be almost like attorney-like you know in that sense and and one would say well, who is the client? The client is yourself, but you cannot identify yourself. Basically, you you how Mr. Fuller uh, places it. He basically he states that, and you always compliment the job itself and as a whole that you that you know that quote unquote the job is interested in all of you guys in here in this room are interested in upholding the constitution <laughs> upholding the con especially the uh 5th and the 14th uh, equal protection in the law and due process but i have in my estimation have uh, have observed that something has been challenging in a negative way against that and I need for your assistance into helping me find out on what it's about. You know, something like that. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm not good at, at doing it, but it's something on that level. You know, uh, uh, and uh, because what he's, he is suggesting is that you get the job to do the work for the most part. Because if you start mentioning and started getting personal with it, make, making yourself as a person... <laughs> They're gonna put they're gonna put the responsibility on you. They're gonna put the responsibility on you having to do all of the work, and you're probably gonna have some trouble in that process in doing it. They, they have, matter of fact, that they are looking for you to quote unquote make that type of charge for them to come out and say, "Well, you you got you got uh two hours or you got two days to be able to come up with." Uh, how that is happening to you, <laughs> you know that sort of thing, and uh, you're gonna have some trouble with it. But uh, yeah, those are some of the tips that that uh, uh, that I've learned over the years. There's one more one more thing also that I, I want to say, and this is actually as a real life real life situation that I was involved in. Uh, it was a situation, and I, I've mentioned it before on the program a long time ago. So you probably, you have a good memory, Gus, so you probably don't want to remember it. Uh, the others probably wasn't even on the program at the time, but uh, there was a situation between uh, myself, uh, my partner that was in the back back of, of, the tr of the truck, fire truck I'm talking about, tailboard, we call it tailboards, there's two guys, and, you, and the driver, all three of us black males, uh, two of them were part of the uh, three guys that that got in that national uh, 
trouble uh, after September 11. But anyway, uh, after the supervisor that we had uh, basically got promoted, they replaced him on purpose. In my estimation, they replaced him on, on purpose with a white person who was comfortable at practicing racism on a daily basis at that station. Uh, and because they knew what was going to be the outcome in that type of, that type of uh, uh, relationship. So every day was some sort of incident where we wanted to, after we came back from the call, we would have discussions with this uh, racist suspect. And he wasn't hearing it. He 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 would he just because of his rank and long and he did not have to sit down uh, on a equitable basis as you know just three three employ four employees who want to do the best within the within the the uh, to the public in that area was predominantly black people you know uh, but he wouldn't hear it at all anything any issues or concerns that we had he didn't want to hear it at all. So what we decided to do, okay, well, our strategy would be that there would be no more of the uh, niceties that takes place in the workplace. No more good morning. No more um, uh, uh, any type of the niceties. No talk to him at all other than it had to be directly job-related. In other words, we would take vital signs, 120 over 80. That's it. You know, answer questions that, that we asked us that have something to do with directly with the job. Other than that, it wasn't nothing. The tension became so high that the Miami-Dade County Fire Department had to send the administration <laughs> to the station with the idea in mind is to, uh, and I would just quote uh, Charles Phillips. He was at that time was the second in charge at the time when they sent, they sent him and, a, and another uh, close friend of his, this guy that I happened to grow up with, they sent those two people down. And maybe one other person, there was a union representative there, you know, they had all the people there that they normally have an incident like of this nature. And Charles Phillips came with the role of playing as the guy who was going to uh, basically uh, get to the bottom of it and hand out punishment. You know, that sort of thing. He had his little speech where he was walking up and down, shouting and whatnot, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, real affirmative on it. And I was thinking that I got to I have to say something. So basically what I stated was I said, well, uh, and I asked for permission to speak. And that's very important to do when you're in, you're in one of these meetings, uh, whether it's a, a closed meeting or, or whether it's a especially a meeting of that nature which was in the day room and that sort of thing where everybody was there. And I asked for permission to speak. And I said this, I said, well, when I was younger, a, a, a small child, I used to like cowboy movies. Now I didn't like cowboy, cowboy movies at all. I used to like cowboy movies. And I noticed in every one of the movies, uh, when they wanted to play cards or gamble, they would take their guns out and lay them down somewhere so it would cut down the content that may produce them to be shooting at each other when they got angry. And I said that to say, Chief, is that if you want the truth from us, if you wanted to get to the bottom of, of this incident, then you would 
I would like for you to allow us to be able to speak, quote unquote, freely uh, and express ourselves and that the content of what he was of the atmosphere that he was trying to induce into the room went down. So now I was able to speak tit for tat with this uh, white male who was attempting to uh, basically make our work environment <laughs> much more worse than what it was. And every time he mentioned about a case, I was prepared to, to uh, state a different version of what was going on to the, to the point to whereas another black male who was in there, he may have been representing the union. He got angry about it and, and, and said to me, quote unquote, lighten up. <laughs> and I had to ask him, well, what are you doing in here? <laughs> What are you doing? What's your purpose in here, sir? I knew who he was, but but he was in a capacity, official, an official capacity, and I had to I question him, and he couldn't really answer questions. So that kind of like, you know, left left that issue alone from there. So anyway, it ended up they had, they had to uh, go into another room that the the head the head people of the fire department, as well as uh, the battalion chiefs and that sort of thing. They came out and they decided. Well, it seemed as though that we're not getting to any clarity on what's going on. And uh, we're going to determine that someone is going to have to leave. And I thought to myself that I, I think I knew who's going to, going to have to leave because all three of us, myself and the two other guys, we were bid-in personnel. We were bid-in personnel, meaning that we were we signed up to work at that station on that shift, and this person was there only on a temporary basis. The next shift, he wasn't there. <laughs> so whatever we, whatever code that we had that we were doing, it, it, you know, it worked. And that's what codification is all about: is to, to try to apply things that that uh, you know or have learned to know that works. And uh, so that's my uh, story that goes along with some of my uh, thoughts and suggestions based on things that I've tried. Uh, during that 28 and a half years. Thank you. Context of white supremacy. Uh, much obliged. Retired firefighter in Florida, uh, Mr. Phillips, former guest on the program. Uh, codification can go a long way. Uh, just being codified sometimes can be enough to motivate whites to try to get the problem solved. Just being codified. And Mr. Phillips is still, he, Charles is all right with me. Uh, I st still call him chief. He's, he's all right with me because of, of how he actually conducted himself with the incident with uh, Mr. Clark and the two other guys on how he actually put himself in the place of those three guys uh, and, you know, basically took the punishment so to speak later on as you know because you i mean you were hosting the program when he came in so you you know about it how that went and yeah. something that's a rarity <laughs> indeed it. and should not be expected um other uh folks who dialed in if you have a hand up line again uh six zero five Three one three five one six four. The code five six four. 
9-4-3 pound. Press star 6-1 if you would like to participate. Uh, other folks, uh, if you dialed in and we've missed you totally, uh, if you have questions, comments you would like to share, either your own situation or what you've heard from listeners thus far, proceed. May I be heard? Uh, greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I want to start out with uh, the first one is uh, there's been some, I guess uh, I would say deception. And I don't know if it's a metaphor of the term doublespeak. And this is a younger uh, white woman that is in the area. Uh, I made the comment one of my older uh, reports maybe a few months ago where she would say to customers that was trying to get copies made and once they were trying to receive their change she would make the comment saying well it will it will um mess with your emotions for a little while and then it'll give you your money back so she's been having a a habit, at least in the past year, where she would, uh, I guess, well, the term, the metaphor they use, passing the buck, meaning she will try to find a way to uh, push the work off onto the black female. Um, most of the time she does that to her. She's tried it with me, but I was able to, um, I guess you can say, maneuver through it and figure it out. But the black female uh, assistant supervisor was able to uh, neutralize that behavior, but it is manifested in another way. Because, like in the beginning, it was uh, she was saying, "Oh, well, you know, could you take this customer?" Because you know, I'm trying to finish up this. Uh, it's a task or a job task called verifying, indexing, and verifying, and. I guess the black female went along with it, but then she obviously made it um, habitual and she continued to do it. So I guess one of the times when I wasn't around, she was addressed and confronted on it, the white woman. So that portion of it stopped. And the reason why I'm beginning with that is it started to uh, come up again in certain ways where if she was brought a request from the uh, white employees, co-workers from the other side. It's two sides of the department. She has a way of taking on the responsibility of doing a task, and she will actively move forward to do it. Like she will have to get a film to go, uh, let's say, to, um, to put on a machine of microfish. And she will say, oh, uh, unless you want to do it. I said, oh, no, you got it. That, that's it. That's what I said. I said, you got it. So she'll do that. And now you not see, that's the thing. She'll say that, okay, I'll do it. And then she'll turn around to the black female most and say, oh, well, unless you want to do it, or I can do it. It's no problem. But 
for somebody to be speaking like that, that's that's very intentional because you're trying to be racist. Well, I don't think that's trying. I think that's extremely racist because it's um, a conscious form of mental mal- uh, manipulation to get to see if how much you can manipulate this black person to, uh, to give in to your uh, sneaky way of doing their work for them. So this this has been going on for a good little while. And it's uh, more that I wanted to share. I'll share it in the up and coming weeks. But a white woman, I think, told on her. And now all of a sudden, she is um, being watched. And a lot of her habits have pretty much um, gone away. They're minimized. She hasn't been doing them as frequently. Uh, I shall say, oh, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head down the hall. Or, you know, I'm going to go on my break or whatever. And I'm like, I'm doing my work. It doesn't really affect me in that way because I'm not always there. It mainly affects the black female. Okay. And to end off this part of the report, earlier this week, she looks toward me and she says, oh, well, will it be okay if I can go to the lab? And that's in the other part of the uh, part of the department. So I can work on the indexing. So I just gave the codifier response. Um, can you can you make sure that you run that by the supervisor? Um, because I'll make any decisions. So when it makes sense to ask me, right? I guess there's like two questions. So she's like, yeah, that does make sense. So now, a white woman, the supervisor, she walks by there at least five times. Now I'm watching to see if she she takes my advice. She she doesn't say anything. She sits there. Okay, so something's telling me that she was obviously trying to get out of doing work and push off the work to uh, two black people in the department. So she just continued to sit there and then go to the lab. Uh, my my next report is uh, there have been a couple of metaphors. Uh, there was a meeting that occurred where Dennis the Menace. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Uh, she was talking about, I guess, customer service. And this is my supervisor, by the way. She was talking about customer service and how people can use jokes. She kept, not one of the old conversations we had, she kept using off color. I think she was referring to that. People say things and jokes and make comments that are just uh, very uncomfortable. Uh, whatever she was saying, and we just got to re- remember to uh, be good customer service representatives. And, you know, it, it reminds me of Dennis the Menace and his friend when they would go hassle Mr. Wilson. And Mr. Wilson, he came to realize that it wasn't just, it wasn't the fact that Dennis the Menace was being rude and obnoxious. It was the fact that he could, he could, do something nice for them or oh, something to that effect. It didn't make sense to me. So I guess she was making an analogy of being of us providing customer service to uh, unruly customers and the unruly customers being the Dennis the Menace, Dennis the Menace child in the example. But uh, as we've been speaking about on the program, when you really think about it, it doesn't really make any sense. Like these aren't children 
that are coming in here, these are people of um, older ages, of age. So that was one. The second metaphor was there was a white woman in uh, the department over in the civil area. She was talking about something, some kind of rash or something she had. I was passing by, and I, I, I stopped to talk to the black female. So she was saying, oh, I've been, I've been trying to get this thing off or something. And it's like I was scrubbing so much, I was I was scrubbing all of the sins off of me, like S-I-N. I was scrubbing all of the sins. I think I scrubbed all the sins off of me. So that's a, a major one, basically saying the filth you got on you is um, comparable to sin, like religious sin. So that's, that can be, uh, I guess, deconstructed in some kind of way. But I wanted to share that one. and. Uh, there was uh, another one that was mentioned as well. I can't really remember it now. But um, there was one more where uh, I, I, I told the supervisor that I spoke with a few weeks ago that I don't think many people here care about me like that. And I didn't say everybody. I said many. So she's like, oh, well, you know, that's not true. This and that. And I said, well, if that was true then. Uh, when I made the report about me being uh, instructed to do certain job tasks that will overload my work responsibility, and the response was for them to publish my image in the uh, circuit writer. So she kind of got quiet right there or whatever. So my uh, grandmother went into the hospital on Wednesday, and all of a sudden, the very prominent, important white people in their clique they were um, asking about the uh, concerns about my grandmother. I'm like, oh, well, you know, she's she's been in pain or whatever. You know, she's doing okay. She's improving. Like, during the different times, they asked me, like, the warden even asked me. But it looks like it was forced, this reaction there, because every time I speak out, they always seem to get scary and nervous about what the next thing I'm going to say or do because they can't predict it. You know, so... Yeah, I just said um, people that here don't really care about me like that. So I just uh, wanted to <laughs> I wanted to be honest and talking to white people like that, and just to have the confidence to do that is uh, very beautiful. And that's all I have for now. Thanks for allowing me to share. Black self respect caller in Florida, much obliged for sharing. Uh, I do think there's something to be said for. Uh, having the confidence uh, to infantilize us uh, and just uh, picture us, describe us as children. Uh, say before, it's uh, we are complaining. Uh, if we make a report about racism, white supremacy uh, at the courthouse, it's Dennis the Menace, uh, who's, you know, a little racist boy on a uh, TV show from way back when. Those type of uh, metaphors uh, and that type of language, either being compared to children uh, directly uh, and or just you're not thought of as an adult who has a logical report of mistreatment. It's just your little sensitive child. Consistent basis. Just being mindful of that uh, in the out of doing work uh, to get other non-white people to do their work for them. Uh, or just so that they don't get in trouble. That is a very common one. We had 
the examples uh, of the weeping white women uh, earlier in the day where she had done something wrong, probably practiced racism. Uh, but that is a very common one uh, that you have to be mindful about uh, in terms of whites just being very uh, deceptive and cunning uh, with a very sometimes elaborate scheme uh, about what they're trying to do. Even the white chick uh, from before who she don't even think she works there anymore at the courthouse who was switching and understanding that racism, white supremacy is a massive problem, particularly uh, in workplaces. And I'm not coming here thinking that these whites uh, as was just stated. I don't come here thinking that these white people care about me. I know that's not true. I mean, even if I, even if I don't have the courage to say that to my manager directly, I'm at least going to acknowledge that for myself, or I at least know that to be true for myself. You end up being in so much more trouble when you think Peggy and Susan and all the rest of these folks are your homies at the courthouse or the post office or wherever you work at. Woof. More and more problems to follow. Much obliged uh, for the updates. Uh, caller in Florida. Uh, let's see. Other folks, if you dialed in, if you have a hand. Is, um, in your opinion, do you think that um, obtaining, like, work-at-home jobs that are, um, you know, that are feasible, do you think that can be looked at as a solution to um, somewhat minimizing our or avoiding the racism that one would experience in the workplace? It can be. I know some folks have talked about that, uh, Cal's listeners specifically, uh, in trying to uh, put together kind of all the rest of it. But I mean, hey, not having to be around them directly to hear all of, you know, the rumors and gossip and racist jokes and the rest of it, everything else that uh, entails with that. Absolutely. I know uh, quite a few non-white people. That's the type of situation that they are seeking out uh, so that they can alleviate some of those problems. So for sure. Okay, thank you. And um, the next thing I wanted to, um, to kind of update you on, I was the particular position. So now what has occurred is that I have been placed on um, a, a paid leave right now. So I um, received a letter from um, Human Resources, and because they could not um, accommodate me in the workplace, as uh, they mentioned in their letter that another um, opportunity was to reassign me to a uh, different working position, which is why they, you know, put me on leave. So um, during this period that I'm, I have my this paid leave. I'm to uh, apply for other positions within my company, and HR is supposed to facilitate uh, an interview and hopefully, you know, a, a placement in a new position. That's whenever, you know, it's, um, that window will close and they will um, possibly terminate me for non-disciplinary reasons. So I just kind of wanted to get your opinion and your maybe some of the listeners' feedback on my particular situation? Um, my thoughts, uh, you were, I remember the report that you shared, the written report. Uh, if they're all, um, and then 
you're on paid leave and, you know, they're saying, hey, if, if you know, when the window closed, that's something uh, as well. I think we talked about that earlier in terms of exact detail, because that sounds like uh, one of my favorite D words, discretion, where that quote unquote window could close, you know, Friday, uh, end of June. I mean, who knows? Uh, that's not very specific uh, in terms of, you know, the type of timetable. So I would definitely. Well, it gives me the opportunity to apply um, for as many positions as I can within the company. That's how the letter is framed out. But it does give, you know, specifics, um, you know, like what the time frame is. I just didn't want to go into too much detail. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I would, I mean, those would definitely be, uh, problems. They probably will, uh, gossip and pass on whatever information, you know, she's not a hard worker and we had to demote her and blah, blah, blah. And that's, I mean, that is very, very common, uh, among whites. So yeah, I mean, you certainly, you have more information about the environment and how much at all of this. Cause I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of trauma that you share. That's that's my sentiment. Yes, it is. And one good thing, one, well, there isn't really a, a, any good thing about any of it, but, um, um, you know, as uh, you mentioned, you know, they could, the, you know, racist, uh, white supremacists could be saying, you know, she's a bad worker and we had to do this. But one of the things that I have, you know, in, um, in a different department by sending that and kind of ceasing me what he's sending to the hiring managers. But, you know, like you said, you know, they can do all of that and put it in writing. And then, you know, um, what it, on the surface, it looks, you know, one way because, you know, he's saying positive things and, um, you know, uh, trying to, you know, kind of encourage him to, you know, put me in a different position. But, you know, behind the scenes, it could be something completely different. But I've been just keeping, you know, my emails and just documenting what I've completely different department. It would just really be a very traumatic, you know, experience for me. That would be my sentiments. You'd probably still be, you know, in. I guess, I mean, I appreciate it's been difficult and stuff i would and i don't know if you are applying for jobs outside the organization as well but i would i wouldn't worry at this point too much about what you think people are saying or are not saying about you because to be honest you're never going to know unless somebody reveals something to you very direct and so you could be you have worked at that company for quite a long time and prior to this situation you've had strong reports from other managers so it's not as if you know you couldn't um you know relate back to those other experiences and it could be that this particular situation is related to the team that you are in um, and again, I think I recall that she wasn't actually talking about your performance anyway, um, in terms of your ability. It was about how you're interacting with the time for jobs in other parts of the organization. I mean, it may be the case that you're required to do that anyway as part of the terms of your current situation, um, that you have to be seen to be applying for jobs regardless. 
Um, but you should, even if it is a job that works for you as a way of, um, I guess, keeping you employed in order for you to still be applying for something externally so that you've still got some money coming in to manage in that situation um, and, and, and weigh that up in terms of if they're compensating you for exiting if you don't get a job in this particular after this time frame is that enough to tide you over in which case you know mentally you might be in a better place to just end this current situation and focus on applying for other jobs where you're not having to deal with the day-to-day trauma of being in an environment which is very unhealthy for you so I mean there are things to think about but I mean ultimately um it just cause you further anxiety and that's my opinion and hopefully that's helpful to you I'll meet my line much obliged Stacy in the UK uh, did any other listeners have any suggestions or thoughts for our female caller kind of a difficult uh, employment situation if you have enough uh, financially uh, where you can kind of figure out the best way to move forward if you want to remain in this organization or switch plantations uh, just figuring out what's going to be in where there ends up being a discrepancy or dispute about if you uh, applied or them saying that you didn't apply for enough didn't show enough initiative uh, that would be a good thing to keep records of as well uh, yes, sir. Uh, Gus, I had a few more um, reports. Um, there was a a uh, ceremony that was occurring, and I believe it was the witnesses that came with the couple, and it was a white man, like an older white man and a younger white man. And they were talking about, I guess, whether or not that one, that that's even worse. So that was like a a quick um, exchange between these two uh, white guys. So I guess they were family members, and they were just sitting there in the uh, the waiting area, just talking like this. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't too loud. They were speaking in in terms of the uh, volume, but I overheard it. I, I was sitting at the desk, so that was that was so. I'm thinking that's very interesting because when it comes to the other categories of work, you don't see black male hirees there, except for me and another black male. So we got at least about eight to 10 years. But ever since then, they've either tried to sabotage or come up with some sort of a plot to get black males. He was in the dark. Like, I, I guess the light switch hadn't been turned on or whatever. So she was saying, oh, wow, you can you can do all this in the dark or whatever and something like that. And then so she made the comment saying that, uh, well, I don't know, maybe he maybe he had cat eyes because she likes cats. OK, courthouse. Uh, I don't know how that conversation would have played out if that had been two black people uh, having that sort of. <laughs> 
public chit chat about did you sneak that switchblade uh, into the chamber? So ubiquitous in terms of non-white people being talked about and thought of as non-humans. Uh, it's all the time. Uh, just be mindful of that. How many times the references you end up being something other than a man. 40 ounces uh, of water per day. Uh, see if you can get away from the sodas, the coffee, the energy drinks uh, that Get that water in. That'll get you more time in the bathroom. Time where you can do some thinking, do some breathing, generate some questions. Uh, at minimum, get a little uh, breathing space from the race. Annotation, I will work to remember to ask Thomas in New York if he would do anything different to keep himself safe or see if he could stave off what happened with the a vehicle, driver, or passenger. Let's do all that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. And that includes us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cows signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim your brother problem. you're a victim i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my condition mm -hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned <laughs> lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.